coming up on Marriage Today with Jimmy and Karen. In a few words, in a moment of time, either brought encouragement or discouragement. Either brought you closer or separated you. The power of words. The incredible nuclear power of words. Even you would say, though, Karen, the way you talk to me is just so wrong. And I just didn't understand because I was trying to express myself. And so, you know, words do have a, they're just very powerful. Let me talk about the three laws of sowing and reaping. Okay, if, if your life is going to be satisfied by the seed of your mouth, we need to understand there are laws of sowing and reaping that once we understand these, you know, we're, we're going to live a great life. The Bible says, he who loves his tongue will eat the fruit of it. And love means appreciates it. When you appreciate the power of words, I make my living speaking words. My word, I know it's God, it's not, not my power, but I speak for a living and my words heal people. But there was a day that my words wounded people. And here's what I know. Words are so extremely powerful. And you can turn the power of those words to your advantage by speaking life. And it says, if you love your tongue, you'll eat its fruit. If you appreciate the power of this thing, you need his fruit. Here are the three laws of sowing and reaping. Number one, you reap what you sow. Okay, well, that's, that's just, that's just the law of sowing and reaping. Galatians six, Paul says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Now, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, that will they reap. Well, why would he say that? Because there are people that believe they can get a good response through bad words. I did. There are times that we believe, I need to wake my spouse up. I need to, I need to cuss them out. They need a good cussing out. You know, I just, I need, I need to threaten divorce. I need to threaten adultery. I need to tell them they're ugly. I need to, I need to, I just need to rip into them. And you know what it'll do? It'll wake them up. No, it won't, it'll devastate them. You cannot get a good result. You're deceived. Paul said, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. And the word mocked there is the word nose. It's mukter. It's mukterizo. It literally means you're not going to throw your nose up at God and defy his laws. Whatever you sow is going to come back to you. If you sow corruption, it's going to come back corruption. If you sow the Spirit, it'll come back in everlasting life. Life, the power of life and death is in your tongue. So when you let your flesh, your sin nature take over, and you start spitting out bad seed, you're deceived if you don't believe you're going to eat that in something bad in your life. And when you open your mouth and you let God spit out a good seed, you're deceived if you believe that's not coming back with something good. You are going to reap what you sow with your mouth. That's the law of sowing and reaping. And so some people say, no, I just think that I can say anything I want to say and, and get the results that I want. Now, let me say something about cursing because I've counseled Christians for a long time. Sometimes when Christians get mad, they cuss. I've had couples where sweet, godly people in church every Sunday just 
cuss upside one down the other. And they're sitting in my office and, and um, they're talking about what they said to each other. And she'll say, he called me every name in the book. He said this, 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 or, or he'll say the same thing. Here's what I've never seen in counseling. In all my years of counseling, I've never had a per- person come in and say, you know, Jimmy, the other night we were having a fight. We got into a really bad fight and they cussed me out. And man, it helped. You know, I, I, just, I just didn't realize what it, how bad I was. But when they started cussing at me, the light came on. And it, I just want to thank them. Thank you so much for loving me enough to cuss me out. I've, I've never heard that. Words are nuclear. At the end of this message, if you don't leave with anything else, understand this is nuclear. The power of death is in your tongue. So you say, say two things to your spouse, little, little things. Just, you go up to your spouse and say, have you lost weight? Now you know, little, little bitty phrase, that's a point winner right there. Well, let me, let me just change it just a little bit. Have you gained weight? And a few words in a moment of time either brought encouragement or discouragement, either brought you closer or separated you. The power of words, the incredible nuclear power of words. You will never get a good response with a bad word. And if you believe that, you're deceived. That's what the Bible says. Another deception is I would say something positive, but I wouldn't make a difference. I said to a guy one time, he had devastated his wife. It took me weeks, months, really, to prove to Karen I was changed. I mean, she said, I don't trust you. I said, I don't blame you. And it, my, our marriage wasn't healed overnight. We, we were numb, okay? But day after day, I woke up, and I started changing the way I talked to her, and we fell back in love, and my wife got healed. But it took a consistent demonstration from me that I was different. I was talking to a man one time in counseling, and he, he devastated his wife. He, he had just said things to her that were horrible, and she told me. She said, I, I don't know if I can ever get over what, what he said to me, and you can once they take responsibility for it. And I said to him, listen, you got to stop the stuff you're doing with your mouth. You're, you're very cruel with your mouth. you got to stop that, and you have to start you know, using it to love her. He said, I, I did it all weekend. It didn't make any difference. I thought, well, what a phenomenal man of God you are. Be a jerk for 30 years and be a good guy for two days and are surprised that the world didn't change. You open this mouth of yours and you speak life and blessing to your spouse, you can resurrect the dead with this mouth right here. A dead marriage will come back to life. A bad marriage is filled with bad words. A dead marriage is filled with no words. A living marriage is filled with good words. And even in the midst of difficult circumstances, we can still speak good words to each other. And so the law of sowing and reaping just simply says you're going to get back what you sow. Well, let me talk to husbands for just a minute because wives are more verbal. Okay, We know that. Okay, Ephesians 5.26 says about Jesus, He might sanctify and cleanse her with a washing of water with a word that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Now, Jesus is washing us in the water of his word, but he's doing it for a selfish reason. Jesus isn't selfish. He's sacrificial and loving, but it tells us here why he's washing us in his words, pure, holy, encouraging words that come from God. 
it says, so he'll have a good bride. Jesus washes us. All of us men are supposed to be Christ-like husbands. And if we're Christ-like, it means we're not polluting our wives. We're washing them. Our words are wholesome and loving and pure and kind and encouraging and praising. And when our mouth opens, something good comes out. And they can expect that, and that's where trust comes from. And it says that Jesus is washing his bride with the washing of water with the word, so he'll have a good bride. Speaking lovingly to your wife is the most self-loving thing you'll ever do. And you'll never have a fulfilling relationship with a woman until you get your mouth right. So what I want to say to men is, first of all, your wife needs a lot more communication than you do. Now, here, here's what I say to men all the time, because a lot of men say, I just, I come home from work and she wants to talk and I feel like I'm being interrogated. I mean, she's so, no, she's nosy anyway, and I don't want to feed the monster. And that's the way I felt about Karen. I felt, when I came home from work, I mean, I, w- I was talked out. I, I, was, I was a salesman. I talked all day long. And I would come home and see, women don't want Women don't want headlines. When they say what happened, they want you to cough it up. And they don't want to just know what you did. They want to know how you felt about it. Especially if there was like a tear that came, you know, or insecurity or something. They, they want to know because women don't talk to get answers. Women talk to connect. And communication is as important to a woman as sex is to a man. But we don't need as much communication. It doesn't mean we don't need communication. Men need communication. But women need communication much more than us. So listen to me. As a Christ-like husband, communicating to my wife, first of all, means it's pure. The effect of my language on my wife is going to have a good result, and I'm not going to use my mouth to beat her down, to bully her, to punish her, or anything like that. I'm going to wash her in the washing of water with my words. And... I'm going to speak life to her for as long as she needs it, which means I come home, we put the kids to bed, we eat dinner, whatever, but there's going to be a time every single day where we sit down face-to-face without distractions, and I talk to her for as long as she wants to talk, and I open my heart to her. And I promise you, it'll pay off big time. You will have a wife that you can present to yourself that is the wife that you want. See, a lot of guys just think that uh, your wife ought to just get it and, and understand how wonderful you are and just be this wonderful wife. But according to the model of Jesus, you don't just get a wife, you nurture a wife. You nourish and cherish her. You wash her in the washing of water with the word. But you need to understand words are critically important to your wife. And I'm not saying it's not important to a husband. It's important to a husband also. But this is being addressed to men, this text is. The second law of sowing and reaping is you reap much more than what you've sown. You don't reap what you sow. You reap much more than what you sow. If you put a corn seed in the ground, you don't get one seed out. You get hundreds of seeds back out. I can, I can feed the world with one corn seed. If I just plant that seed and then plant what comes up and plant what comes up and plant what comes up, it doesn't take long before I've got enough to feed the whole world. It's disproportionate. Here's the issue. Your mouth has a disproportionate issue on your life. What you do with your mouth is not the same as what you do with any other area of your life. It's disproportionate. This is James chapter 3, and James says, We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths 
that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire, fire by hell itself. And according to, the, uh, to James here, the tongue is a bit, a rudder, and a spark. Think a spark. Think about this. A horse is controlled by a little bit. A big ship is controlled by a tiny rudder, and a forest fire starts with a tiny spark, and all three of those mean our mouths. This tiny little thing laying between your teeth can destroy your life and somebody else's life. And it doesn't take very many words to do it. But this tiny little thing laying between your teeth has the power to build a remarkable marriage and a remarkable family and a remarkable life and to create a friendship with God and to invoke the blessings of heaven and to see miracles happen. Here's the third law of sowing and and reaping. There's a delay between sowing and reaping that differs between seeds. You, You don't go out and drop a seed in the ground and it sprouts up right away. You drop a seed in the ground, it depends on the germination period based on that seed. There's going to be a delay. And let me give you, so in other words, it takes faith and it takes perseverance. Because what I'm going to, sometimes when I say something to Karen or she says something to me, it has an immediate impact, especially if it's negative. But sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it's not going to happen overnight. And listen again to what Paul says here. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't lose heart. Therefore, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. He says, in due season. Every seed has a due season. Let me, let me give you an example of this. First of all, is training up your children. The Bible says, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he matures, he'll come back to it. When he gets old, he won't depart. And and gets old doesn't mean 80 years old. Gets old means when they mature, they'll come back to it. What does that mean? When your child is growing up, you can't always produce immediate results. In fact, you can damage a child trying to produce immediate results. Sometimes you have to produce immediate results if they're running out in the street or things like that. Our son, Brent, our daughter, Julie, when we were raising them, we trained them up in the ways of the Lord. And we talked to them constantly about doing the right thing. Everything was a teachable moment. Every time something came up in our family, we just used it as a teachable moment. And we taught them, and we taught them, and we taught them, and we taught them, and we taught them. But what we noticed was they fought against it at times. They went through difficult seasons at times. And we had good kids, but we noticed they went through seasons. But both of our children served the Lord today. Both of our children are godly children, and and here's the reason. When you grow weary, you lash out at them. You tell your children something to do, they do the opposite. You're sowing seed into their heart. And what the Bible says, train your child up in the way they should go, understanding the seed you're sowing will bear fruit, but it might not be immediate. It might be when they're 18 or 25 years old. And they're 13 years old, and you're telling them, 
to be uh, you know, respectful to authority, and you're telling them to restrain their sexuality, and you're telling them to have good, uh, good attitudes and stuff like this, but you notice not all of it, there's, there's some seed bouncing off, and you know it. And what the Bible says is, do not grow weary. That seed that you're sowing into your child has a due season, and they'll come back to it at the right time. Don't turn on your child. See, here's what the devil does. The devil takes a picture of your child at their worst moment and convinces you you're a lousy parent. Because all of our children go through bad times. And all of us feel responsible when they go, go through bad times. Let me say something. I'm not responsible for all my children's responses. I'm responsible for being a good parent. And what that means is I'm going to say the right thing in the right way, and I'm trusting God for a good harvest. So I'm praying and I'm praying for something that's going on in my marriage or in my family or my life and whatever, do you have the faith to wait for God to answer that prayer? Listen to me. You can say anything you want to your spouse. You're their equal. But who's the enforcer? And here's the other thing. Is your God big enough to change your spouse? Because if you believe that your God is big enough to change your spouse, you're going to pray and you're going to wait for God to change your spouse. Doesn't mean you can't say the truth. Doesn't mean that you can't do what you need to do. But what it means is if you believe that God is a big God and that he can change your spouse, you're going to say what you need to say and then go in your prayer closet and you're going to pray about it. If you don't believe that God is big enough to change your spouse, you're going to try. And you're going to open your mouth and you're going to say things that are harsh, that are critical, because now you're the enforcer. I can say anything I want to to Karen in the right way. And I can say, Karen, this and this and this. But the issue is I have to have faith that when I speak the truth in love to my wife, that I have invested good seed, but it might not bear fruit today. It might take a few days. It might take a few weeks. It might take a few months. But the point is I'm not going to grow weary. I know that good seed produce a good harvest, and I know that God's always with me when I'm planting good seed. This program today is on the power of our words, and you know, you just, you can't say too much in this area because our words are disproportionate. Mm-hmm. Um, more than any other area of our lives, you know, Proverbs 18 says, death and life are in the power of our tongues. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because it says that scripture and the next verse says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Well, you know, it, this, the message is called preparing your mouth for marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, when we got married, my mouth was not prepared for marriage. <laughs> and I was, I mean, I was a train wreck waiting for a place to happen. And I killed our marriage with mm-hmm. my mouth. I, I literally did. And so those were the worst years of our marriage, the worst years of our lives. And one of the things that changed our marriage, Karen, is when I changed the way I talked. Mm-hmm. And you told me uh, that my mouth had damaged you more than anything else. Well, I think, it, you know, we come into marriage and we don't realize how much words have already formed us. I mean, oh. when you're being raised, you know, whatever was spoken around you or at you, whatever they, words were used, you know, they, they form who you are. And, you know, whether you believe it or not. And so when we came into marriage, 
we had already been basically formed by the, the our atmosphere right. at home. And and so, you know, when he would talk that way, it didn't bother me because I thought, well, I kind of talked that way at home. Well, so no, maybe it bothered you, but well, it, you did, were but just it, used to it. At first I thought, you know, well, maybe this is just, you know, something that I deserve, you know, because it kind of played into the self-hate thing. But, you know, the more we saw, you know, just the damage, like you're saying, and, and you know, just correcting, like you said. You, even you would say, though, Karen, the way you talk to me is just so wrong. And I just didn't understand because I was trying to express myself. Yeah. And so, you know, words do have a, they're just very powerful. Well, they're eternal. Jesus said, mm-hmm. uh, by your words, you'll be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. And he says, you'll give an account for every word you've spoken, even every idle word. And what, so if words weren't important, why would God record every single one of them? Now, the good news is when you, you know, come to Jesus and when you repent, there's an eraser on the recorder, you know, but, but I don't know if it's a snitch angel or I don't know how God is, you know, recording all of our words, but, but words are so important that Jesus said one day in judgment, you'll be judged for every word you've said. Mm-hmm. So when words come out of our mouth, they're, they're, they last. And the, for example, Karen, I, I destroyed our marriage with my mouth, but I also, God repaired our marriage through my mouth. Mm-hmm. And so when when I took responsibility for my words, we live in a smart aleck, profane society mm-hmm. that just throws words around like mm-hmm. they don't we, matter. We've misused the word freedom. Absolutely. <laughs> freedom but for it's speech. It's devastating. <laughs> One of the first counseling appointments I ever had was a 60-year-old man. I think I was about 30 years old at the time. A 60-year-old man, and within 10 minutes in my office, he was weeping mm-hmm. about something his father said to him when he was 10 years old. It was a 50-year-old wound that was mm-hmm. created by words that 50 years later was still hurting him. And the truth is, our words can deeply wound a person, mm-hmm. deeply damage or even destroy our relationship. But the other side of that sword is it can heal it. Mm-hmm. And so when you say you're sorry, mm-hmm. when you take responsibility for your behavior, when you praise your spouse, you see, I can use my words, Karen, to build you up, to make you feel good, to endear you, to love you. Mm-hmm. And that, that's such a powerful thing. But we have to understand the power of words. Oh, I agree. And I, I think, you know, even beyond the words, you know, maybe you don't need to use so many. Maybe you just need to you you know, come in with a humble spirit. I mean, humility works wonders. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's good advice. Well, we hope that this program has helped you today because I, I tell you, this is something that I did very wrong, but also something I've done right. And Karen has, a, uh, her words are wonderful for me. Your environment of your home is created by words, primarily. It's the, the spirit of your words and the way that you uh, talk to each other, the way that you relate to each other. And so the devil wants to use your mouth to hurt somebody. God wants to use your mouth to bless somebody, and you decide who uses your mouth. That's just simply the truth. Let God use your mouth to bless the people around you, and you can build your life and your marriage with your words. We hope that this has been helpful to you today. And I want to ask you, if you've been blessed by marriage today, if you've been blessed by this ministry, would you stand with us financially? The information is there on your screen of how you can give, and I'm asking you to give your most generous financial gift today to help us come back to you but also go to other people across America and around the world. We reach millions of people because of people like you. Give your most generous gift. The information there on your screen of how you can give. We hope that this has been a blessing to you today. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Goodbye.